When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Monday, August 8th, and we are back in your life. Uh, We weren't live yesterday. Ryan Talbot was live in person uh, here at St. John Fisher University. We'll bring you everything that he saw from that day. And then I was here this day uh, on Monday, and we have a lot to get to here on Shout, a Buffalo football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Barbecues, tailgating, or on a road trip to see your favorite team, wherever the football season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops for the best deals in town. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or anytime. Tops at your table since 1962. Ryan Talbot, what's up, buddy? Hey, not too much. You know, uh, I was able to beat the heat yesterday, a scorcher out there at 11:45, and I know it was pretty muggy day today there for you too. But I was happy to be out there and watching some uh, Buffalo Bills football. I heard through the grapevine that I picked a great day uh, <laughs> to be off uh, because we were it was it was the one of the only 1145 practices today. It was back at 945. So it gets hotter as the day goes along. And I heard it was a bit of a, a sweltering type of day for you yesterday. Yeah, definitely sweltering type of day. Uh, they weren't in full pads. So you, you definitely picked a pretty good day to uh, go watch some baseball. So we're going to get into uh, tons from today. Uh, We're probably, I think the best way to start is like top takeaway for you from yesterday um, on Sunday where the bills weren't in pads. Yeah, I'm going to go with Boogie Basham. I was really impressed with uh, his play in one-on-ones and 11-on-11s. And it all goes back to what we've said numerous times throughout the summer, Matt. We know what Von Miller brings to the table. We know what Ed Oliver is going to bring to the table. They need someone else, that third pass rusher, uh, to really make a, a difference, I feel like, this year and to help the secondary because we've said that there's been some some uh, concerns there. I, I think that if you can get Greg Rousseau and or Boogie Basham to be a consistent force on the other side, this defense is going to be really scary this year. Uh, Basham was great one-on-one, showed off some pass rush arsenal. I think he had two would-be sacks and 11-on-11s. 
Uh, the second one was a little bit closer of a call. It looked like he got there. I thought I heard the whistle, and then Allen threw the ball. Uh, but it was a bang-bang play nonetheless. You know, I think positive updates from Boogie Basham are good just from the sense of you want him, if you're a Bills fan, a second-round pick last year to be involved, you know, in, in some type of way. And I know Shaq Lawson has been a little bit quiet throughout training camp. There hasn't been a ton of splashy plays from him. I think there was one uh, practice I remember him noting that he had a sack. But overall, it's been kind of quiet from Shaq Lawson. But if you're the coaching staff and if his – uh, conditioning is where you need it to be. You know, I think you could probably trust Shaq Lawson in like that fourth defensive end role as a rotational piece. Boogie Basham hasn't proved that yet. I know he's done a lot of stuff on his body. Uh, the concern that I have is the guy, the time that he finally kind of pops a little bit is a day where they're not in pads. And so I haven't seen that on any day that they've been on pads. It's been Greg Rousseau. Who's been of that group of young pass rushers, the consistent piece again today, gets out there and this was on Monday it was it was a strong day for the defense. I mean the offense was struggling. Josh Allen was on the run quite a bit. Uh it, it was just pressure and the Bills were dialing up pressure. You know, whether it be Tremaine Edmonds in the backfield, Cam Lewis, who obviously Taron Johnson uh didn't practice again today. Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir also not practicing as they deal with some soreness. But today, you know, it was it was Greg Rousseau, the the only guy that I continue to notice in pads. And I think from a fan perspective, it's a concern, but the games still are to to come here, and and maybe Boogie Basham can kind of flash in those moments. Yeah, if he can do this in the preseason, what I saw on Sunday, I think that'll be a really good start for him. Russo has definitely been the uh, star of the show, so to speak, opposite Von Miller through camp in in terms of the pass rush arsenal, the the size, the speed, everything else. He said he worked on just about everything this past offseason, uh, but most of all his pass rush moves, and it seems to be paying off for him early here. But looking forward to seeing what both of these second-year defensive ends can do. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to everybody uh, getting in here, watching on YouTube. Uh, the The numbers have been explosive from the the red and uh, or the blue and red uh, scrimmage game the other night. I went back and watched the video, Ryan. It was worse than I thought. Like we were just in this really <laughs> weird yellow, uh, you know, lit area of the press box. And uh, but we appreciate you kind of sticking through it. Hit that like button, subscribe as well. Um, what else you got for me? What else kind of stood out to, to you uh, from yesterday? Well, offensive line getting healthier, obviously Roger Saffold being taken off of the NFI list, uh, seeing more from Spencer Brown. But if I were to shift gears a little bit, I would say Isaiah Hodgins, uh, you know, he mm. stuck out to me a little bit. And, and I reading your observations was another good day for him today. Um, we've talked about stacking the days on top of one another. I thought he had a really nice, you know, kind of an under the radar practice. He was a favorite target. He was hauling things in one along the sidelines. that was just out of his reach. Uh, more so an errant pass than anything else, but he's standing out here again at camp. And uh, as the Bills try to figure out the last receiver or two on this team, I think Hodgins is making a really strong push uh, to be one of those receivers, Matt. Yeah, Hodgins had a really nice catch today, and he just looks so comfortable. Uh, it's been a tumultuous couple of seasons for him, and Case Keenan was actually asked about uh, Isaiah Hodgins today. He's done. He's worked quite a bit with him. And this was the quote. I thought it was interesting enough that I shared it out on uh, Twitter. As a quarterback, Keenum said, I always say you look at your receivers and you get this little tingling feeling with guys you want to throw the ball to. He's one of those guys. 
in Hodgins. I get that tingly feeling. Uh, you shared a fun little gif uh, about that, but this is a guy that, you know, for a second, third string quarterback, you're going to be working with him a lot over the next couple of weeks. These are the moments. These are the, uh, the times that Hodgins has us to have a say in his chase for a roster spot. It's an uphill battle. I, I don't think that there's a really a clear path for him, but you stack good days. You make good plays. He was one-on-one today with Jordan Miller. And obviously that's a, you know, deep, deep part of the roster uh, cornerback. Uh, Khalil Shakir made a nice play with against him on Friday night, but it was just a one day and catch. He had to really, you know, focus in, uh, haul in the pass, maintain possession through the fall. He got up, he flipped the ball. He was really excited. A good moment for him, but you got to have a lot of those good moments because it's going to be a situation where I just don't know if there's going to be a roster spot. And I don't know if the Bills would be fearful enough to cut Jake Kumaro um, for Hodgins because I think they probably have a better chance at getting Hodgins back on the practice squad, even if he blows up in the preseason. And that's fair because we've seen Kumaro get released here before and get signed elsewhere. Uh, There's something to be said about what Aaron Rodgers has said about Kumaro throughout his career. So uh, it's a fair point. But going into these preseason games, I don't think we're going to see the starters a lot. Obviously not much in the first or the third preseason game. If anything, you'll see maybe some of them in the second. So this is an opportunity for Isaiah Hodgins, Jake Kumaro, uh, some of those bottom of the roster guys fighting for one of the spots to kind of show up and say, I deserve this. I Here's what I can do, whether it's receiving, whether it's special teams. Uh, there's going to be a lot of eyes on these receivers battling for that wide receiver six, maybe wide receiver seven job, depending on how many they end up keeping. Mm-hmm. Um, let's shift gears here for a moment. We're talking about some receivers. Let's move. Let's move over to the running back position because I wrote – I led my observations today with James Cook, who, you know, with the pads back on, you know, when he has a day where it kind of stands out a little bit more than Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, and I'm going to write about it. And today I just thought that he had two or three plays where he made, you know, he just looked the part. And, you know, Case Keenum, interesting enough, he played with Stefan Diggs when he was in Minnesota uh, back in 2017. He joked about, like, Sometimes they see each other in the locker room early on at camp and it's like, Hey, this is weird. Like, you know, four years removed from creating all that magic down in Minnesota and now being back together in a much different situation. Diggs is established as the true number one here, Josh Allen's development, all that. And Keenum's kind of just, you know, along for the ride this year, but he also played with James Cook's older brother, Dalvin Cook. And that was his rookie year in Minnesota. And he said today that the similarities are actually Pretty striking. This was the uh, exact quote from Keenum today. You see flashes of it. It's hard when you haven't had too many live reps of just kind of running in the zone, the back cuts, the hitting power, backside, the pin and pull type stuff. But there are some flashes of Dalvin there that I definitely see in James. And to see him out of the backfield too, catching the ball, I think he's got a little something to him. And I'm I'm excited to be able to show what he can do. And so today, couple take you into practice a little bit, a couple instances, and it was close to the public, only VIPs, season ticket holders, stuff like that, uh, were, it, were uh, in attendance. And they practiced off to the side field. So it was kind of hard to see specifically um, what they were doing unless you were kind of up against the fence on the one side. There were some people on the other side. Uh, but it was uh, the biggest play of the day um, for Cook came near the end of practice. Uh, the, the, the second team kind of went over the other field and they, you've seen this, if you've been out at any of the practices, they'll, they'll run full team, uh, full field drill. And on one play, it was just 
you know, a quick strike uh, from uh, Allen to Diggs, and then the next play uh, set up a handoff to Cook, who ran between Ryan Bates, David Questenberry. Uh, we'll talk about Questenberry in a moment. I saw a comment in here about where you know he's placed on the Bills depth chart, and Cook just exploded through the line, and you're like, whoa. Where did that come from? Because there was a there was a couple plays today, Ryan, where Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, just running into absolute walls. There was one play where Tremaine Edmonds had a tackle for a loss on Zach Moss, and him and Cam Lewis just converged. And you know the defensive you know, linemen, the the secondary, the linebackers, Cam Lewis playing there in the slot, they were buzzing today, man. So for that play, I, I, it really stuck out. And Cook had another run earlier in practice. He had a nice little uh, uh, catch and run earlier too. It was just a good day for for the rookie. Yeah, and, and Cook's impressed me this summer in terms of a pure runner. You, I, you knew what he was going to bring from a pass-catching standpoint. He, point. he was the best pass-catcher in this draft class coming in uh, to the league. He's lived up to that hype this summer. He, he's looked the part, but he, he looks really good running the ball, too, whether it's uh, between the tackles outside. He has that explosiveness that you can see in person. Uh, the ability to get to that second level. And like you said, it's like a, whoa, where did this come from? Or um, how did that happen so quickly? Because he has that extra little burst or giddy up or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so he's been standing out. And he's another one, uh, another player that I'm looking forward to watching this preseason. When it's not a team that you've been playing against your own team uh, all summer long, how does he look? Is that explosiveness still there? Is he making big plays for this team? Is he a potential mismatch in terms of how do they utilize him as a runner, as a receiver. I think he will be, and I'm really excited to watch him too coming up here in the preseason. What do you think in the preseason? What's, what's the plan for James cook? If you're the bills, I'll just put you in that chair. You get to make it. What do you want? How much do you play him? What, which teams do you see him play on? Like, how do you think it looks? Because we're probably looking at a, a game this weekend the Colts where Josh Allen doesn't play. So what is the, this, what does it look like for James cook in the preseason? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair and valid question. I think in, in game one, you're getting him out there a fair amount. It's, it's maybe Moss as well. I think Singletary, you sit out of this first game, uh, you play a few series with, uh, Cook and Moss, and then maybe it's a lot of Raheem Blackshear. Uh, you can use Gilliam as a running back. You can use some, you know, you can get a little clever there too with uh, Taiwan Jones if you really wanted to. Game two is where you're going to see probably the majority of the starters play in that one. Uh, and then game three, it'll be again reserve players. So I, you don't want to overutilize him, but I, I do want to see him in these first two preseason games, maybe get a series in the third. Uh, but you're not going to play him too much if, all things considered, you're able to utilize uh, your other backs, your depth pieces, so to speak. Yeah, and I think, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we don't see um, Devin Singletary at all uh, on, on Saturday. You get Zach Moss for maybe a series, maybe two, and then Cook gets a series or two, and then they just let Blackshear and uh, Duke Johnson do the rest. Um, I, I'm very interested to see how much they use him and how he looks. And the, the interesting part of that quote too, Ryan was him was uh, Keenum saying that he is excited to be able to show what cook can do almost like, you know, he'll have a role in that because he's probably going to be on the field for quite a bit. This is, this is big time for, for case Keenum. This is probably the most he's going to play all season, or at least from the bills perspective, this is all you want to see him play probably is in the preseason. So uh, I, I'll be interested to see how that looks. Where do you want to go next? 
Oh, let's go next to, well, the defense. The defense won the day today, Matt. So any specifics that you want to point out in terms of uh, who was playing really well, who, you know, obviously there was a rookie cornerback you mentioned. We could go there. So any, anywhere you want to go with the defense. Yeah, we, we can definitely go there, but I, I, I want to mention a couple things and we kind of weave in and out here. Um, Greg Rousseau and Ed Oliver, you know, I just felt like they really set the, set the tone early. Both of them were winning reps. Um, it didn't really end in any sacks, but I just felt like they were, they were moving and pushing the pocket around and Josh Allen was just uncomfortable. He was, he was moving all over the place. And I thought, you know, there's one play in particular where he kind of rolled out and had an incompletion where the two guys were just, um, they were just on fire and they guys couldn't block them. So that that's not really a surprise. It's a continuation of what we've seen already. Um, defensively, I thought Edmonds was, was really engaged, was really active, was getting downhill Again, Christian Benford, that's who you were talking about, getting more reps uh, uh, against first-team players. And, you know, the Bills put out their depth chart today. It was Trey White and uh, Dane Jackson as the starters. And I think that that kind of, you know, puts Dane Jackson in the lead going in. The Bills don't like to hand jobs over to rookies. I Side note, I, I wasn't surprised that Matt Hawk is listed ahead of Matt Ariza. That's going to be something that he's going to have to win that job, right? He may be in the lead right now, but I'm not surprised that the Bills are putting Hawk in front of him, even if that's not where the competition is. So I'm not surprised that you know Jackson's placed above Elam. But I do think that I'd probably say that Elam ends up on the field ahead of Dane Jackson. Uh, there were a few reps today that I thought Elam competed. He He lost some. I thought he won one. There might have been a little pass interference on it. He forced an incompletion. I don't know if I'd call it a, a pass breakup, but he's competing. He's fighting. With Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in the league, Gabriel Davis, who's having this great this great camp. Uh, but again, Christian Benford, really good rep, rep of the day, one-on-one with Isaiah Hodgins. Allen throws it over the middle to Hodgins, and Benford patiently waits. He's able to kind of multitask, stay with his, his guy, and then get his hand in there at the last moment to break it up. Uh, PBU in the stat book, uh, another really nice day for Benford. And he continues to kind of have that uh, stock up uh, next to his name. Yeah. His ascension is actually really interesting. It seems like in the last week and a half, two weeks is when he's really kind of gotten on the radar and, and started to make uh, consistent plays. He was someone early on in camp that at least from my perspective, I don't want to speak for you. I, I said, boy, I don't know if he's going to end up making this roster uh, with, with a lot of these other cornerbacks on this team, but the way he's been playing as of late, the way that he's making consistent plays, getting some work with the first team, uh, he, he's definitely on the right trajectory in terms of possibly making this 53-man roster. He's someone else that should get a lot of run this preseason. So someone that I'm really in, intrigued to see, Matt, in terms of can he pick this up? Can he continue to play at this level and make plays? Because the Bills do seem to have an eye uh, for that smaller school talent. And if Benford ends up being the next one in that line of players that they've signed over the years, you know, it, it's real uh, tip of the cap to the Bills in terms of their scouting department and what they saw from him, where maybe a lot of teams did not. Um, Sean on YouTube asks, is Benford outplaying Elam? And I I think there's an argument to be made that he's made, well, not even an argument. I think it's probably a fact. He's probably made more splash plays. If you want to call it pass breakups, uh, stuff in one-on-ones. Um, I think he had a couple interceptions early on. He's probably made more splash plays than Elam. But I also think that he's kind of being sprinkled in, whereas Elam is in the line of fire against the elite of the elite every single play. And I also think it's hard too. like, 
it's hard to evaluate these guys in this setting. Like from what Keenum was saying in that quote earlier, like from, from period to period, you're going from, you know, thought up to, you know, probably 50% to maybe a couple live action reps. So it's, it's really hard to judge, but I think Benford has really made enough of a splash to say, if this, if this continues, if this trend continues and he keeps to play and he continues to play this well, and he, you know, gets gains confidence from the coaching staff, they might want to get him on the field. And you might be in a situation where they're still competing for maybe playing time. If Tredavious White's not ready or if things don't go well early for Elam, you know, maybe sprinkling him in this, this coaching staff has never shied away from a timeshare, if you will. No, exactly. But as you also mentioned, it's important to know who they're going against and what team they're running with a lot. Uh, Elam's been running against the likes of Diggs and Davis all summer long. So, uh, you know, trial by fire, he's really gone in there and had to play against the best of the best where Benford, as you mentioned, has been sprinkled in. Um, it's easy to say, well, so-and-so made a play on this day. You have to look at who they're going against. Like yesterday, Jordan Miller had an interception for the Bills defense. Well, it was against Matt Barkley in the in the third team offense, and it was a pass uh, to absolutely no one on the offense. So little things like that will happen. Uh, you just have to kind of consider the circumstances. But yeah, Benford is playing well as of late. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I was just reading some comments here. Everybody's always asking about uh, Terrell Bernard. Um Trust me, we'll talk about him when and if you if you go back and listen to I think what is this now, Ryan? This is the 11th day of camp. Uh, we missed yesterday, so we this will be our 10th episode, a 10th podcast. Uh, you can go back; it's over eight hours now of training camp content where we talk about everyday recaps, uh, who made plays on what day. A uh, few days we talked about Bernard, so go check those out. If you're watching on YouTube right now, thank you so much. Hit that like button, subscribe as well. I said we we're going to weave in and out of a couple of different, um, you know, talking points for practice today. Let's go to the. I watched one sequence and I zeroed in on one matchup over the course of four or five plays, and it was Tommy Doyle against AJ Epinesa. And it's interesting. Epinesa has gotten a lot of love this training camp, but most of his production has come on days where the Bills haven't been in pads. Also, he's probably been a little bit higher on my uh, radar on pad days than Boogie Basham, but both of them have kind of been a little bit underwhelming on those days. And so I was really zeroed in on just with where I was standing. I had perfect visuals on the matchup of Tommy Doyle against Epinesa. And we've, we've talked about Tommy Doyle a little bit, some trial by fire against Von Miller, hmm. man, against Epinesa, man, he looked great. I mean, four straight plays of, Two plays specifically I wrote in my notebook that he stuffed A.J. Epinesa on the rep. So that's great. And so Epinesa comes back, if you're from a Tommy Doyle perspective, that's great. Next play, A.J. Epinesa comes back, reaches it in his bag of tricks and tries to come at Doyle a little bit differently. You know, going straight at him, working to the outside. Both did not work against Doyle, so he kind of tried to spin back. It was too slow. Doyle was too quick. He almost worked him into an interior block. And it's like play after play, you see the matchup. You see the chess match. They're going back and forth. For a second-year guy working against a third-year defensive end where, you know, he's had some moments in training camp. Tommy Doyle just like he really impressed today. And that's a huge moment for a guy that's, you know, I don't so much think he's 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 trying to make the roster. I think he's probably got a roster spot for him because of the size, the invested development. They're working him inside at guard as well. There's there's a lot you could do with Tommy Doyle. 
But I do think that the confidence that you could build from a moment like that in practice, it's huge. Yeah, and you mentioned the versatility is really big for him in terms of claiming a roster spot. But Von Miller said about one week ago about Doyle, this guy's going to be good someday. Uh, and, and, you know, who knows when someday is or how good he's end up going to end up being. But those reps against Von Miller, those reps against some of these guys on this team, it's only going to benefit Tommy Doyle. And if he's going and learning from those moments where he's been beaten, uh, we, we had the day that we said he was put on skates and he did the, the split. So he's learning from that. And then when he goes against someone like Epinesa, uh, he knows it's not going to be at the level of a Von Miller type of player. And, he, and he's able to kind of get there and, and stay in his spot, win those matchups. And that's huge from a confidence perspective. It, it's huge from a development perspective. So uh, it's good to see Doyle having a good day at camp, especially as we near the end of training camp. Um, you know what else is good to see? Uh, the sizzle of the grill popping open a refreshing drink crowds cheering for their favorite team. These are the beautiful sounds of football season and tops is right there with you from fresh meat to locally grown produce tops has everything you need and so much more. Uh, so what my, my dorm room was locked. Did you get in here at all? Did you work in here? What did, no, we, we I didn't. didn't talk much yesterday. I was I was pretty off yesterday, so we didn't really check in. What take me through the day? What did what, how did it go? Yeah, day went well. Uh, parked in the in the lot for the the media, and I went right to the Dorsey uh, Ken Dorsey presser. Attended practice, and then on the way home, I was doing a lot of the work in the in the car. The the wife and kids came up for the first time to training mm. camp. Um, so that was nice for them to kind of enjoy it despite the heat, despite the weather, they did, did a lot of the activities, the autograph tent, all of that. So uh, I did a lot of the work from the car on the way home. And, and that was kind of nice. The old, uh, talk to text, uh, and when then able to translate it into the uh, document. So all in all, it worked out pretty well for me. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so we started the camp diary series today. I, I produced, uh, recorded, I should say. Our first interview it was with Sal Capaccio from WGR 550. That'll be out later today. So if you're listening to this on the audio version, stay right here. Later tonight, it is an audio-only podcast series. It's They're going to be from about 20 to 30 minutes. I have five interviews lined up, and I'm going to release them over the next few days. We're really excited about that. Just like what it's been like to be back in the camp setting uh, being around all the media members, the players, the team, the facility, the fans, uh, and and Sal started us off with a boom. So get ready for those uh, later today. Uh, where do you want to go next, Ryan? Let's go to another offensive lineman because I thought he had a down day on Sunday, but you credited him having a positive day today, and that's Cody Ford. Uh, you know, Ford, they're still moving him around a little bit. He's still having he was having some struggles on Sunday. Uh, some of those matchups where I saw Boogie Basham in the backfield were against Cody Ford. But today you mentioned that he had a pretty good day, Matt. Yeah, and that's a huge bounce back, you know, because I feel like Cody Ford, as we're looking at this right now, um, starting to kind of put together 53-man depth chart uh, ideas, it's a situation where I, I think Bobby Hart's going to be on the 53 man. I mean, he's working in with the first team on the interior. They're working him out of guard. It seems like they're seeing enough from him that it's kept Cody Ford on the second team. And then we saw today um, Cody Ford's still there. Bobby, Bobby Hart in for Roger Saffold at left guard as he kind of slowly works his way back. So Cody Ford's got work to do. And I thought today was the most, um, engaged version of Ford that we've seen throughout training camp. There was one time where he was kind of chirping a little bit after a play, but it was really in the run game where I thought that he was kind of getting nasty and the bills were getting pushed around 
on the on, on the defensive line in the first team. He came out, opened a couple holes. Uh, I think the first one might have been for Cook, and the second one was on a nice Duke, Duke Johnson run. Those are big time plays, and I thought he had you know the the best one on one rep of any offensive lineman in one on ones at the beginning of, of practice when he kind of shut things down on on uh, Tim Settle. A big day for Cody Ford. He's going to need more more of these as we kind of get through the uh, uh, the rest of this week's camp and then into the preseason. Yeah, and you mentioned your observations that uh, one of the blocks, like you just said, was a, a James Cook run. It seemed like he teamed up with Questenberry on the play. Uh, so he needs moments like that. You almost need to see that mean streak and, and him playing at that high level 24-7 when he's on the field. Uh, because when there's those letdowns, that's he, he's getting beaten still. He's making some of the same mistakes that he was make, mistakes he was making a few years ago. So we, we definitely need to see the very best of Cody Ford this uh, these next three preseason games to see if he is worth keeping on this roster going forward. Uh, the Bills' offensive line uh, is is getting healthier. Obviously, Ryan Bates has been back for a few days. Spencer Brown, big news, working in tandem. Uh, they were kind of flipping in 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 and out each play with David Questenberry at right tackle. So that's a that's a pretty big development. And now Questenberry, who has kind of had a lock on that right tackle spot for the most part in camp, while you know uh, Spencer Brown's been working his way back. Now they're starting to kind of you know take turns and. Brown's getting healthier. The Bills put out their depth chart, like I mentioned, their first unofficial depth chart. Brown was the backup to Questenberry on there. And, you know, that's what it's been so far because he has not been available. So finally getting back out there and working, one rep in particular stood out. He was working against Von Miller, and it wasn't anything crazy, but held up in, in the block, pushed him outside, used his size to keep Von Miller from getting things messy back there for Josh Allen, a good rep. But how excited are you you know, from, uh, you know, for the fans that Brown is kind of making his way back here. Does he have enough time now to maybe make a pursuit of that starting right tackle spot? Depending on how long they play him in the preseason, I think there's a, a chance for him. And he's one of those players that was a starter last year that I think will probably get more run, more reps than uh, some of the other starters on this team because of what you just mentioned, Matt. He wasn't out there a lot during the summer he was coming off of a back procedure you really need to make sure you feel comfortable in the event that you want him starting at right tackle you know he had he has moments as a rookie last year some ups and downs just like any other uh rookie tackle would but you would think in terms of ceilings in terms of potential he brings more to the table than Questenberry but Questenberry has been available he's been out there he's been uh solid when called upon and if there's not enough reps for Brown going up into into week one, I think the Bills want to have the players they're most comfortable with, that they have the most faith in, and that would probably be Questenberry out the gate. That doesn't mean that Brown won't reclaim that job at some point this season, uh, but the reps need to be there. So this is going to be a really important preseason for him coming up. You know what's really important, Ryan Talbot, is getting over to valuehomecenters.com, mm-hmm. checking out the weekly ad going on right now. It's your last chance to stock up on summer outdoor essentials. Shop outdoor furniture, fire pits, tables, grills, garden tools, and outdoor decor. Uh, and then starting uh, August 7th, yesterday, August 7th through September 3rd, it's the end of the season clearance sale. Save $7 instantly on Valspar Integrity Exterior Paint and $5 on Valspar True Basics Exterior Self-Priming Paint. Valuehomecenters.com. Head over there right now. We have a super chat. That's where we're going next. Ryan Talbot, you just posted a story on this. What do you get? 
What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. OBJ time. Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's just (laughs) Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. having a lot of fun with this. But it, it had been kind of one-sided, you know, the the whole, if if you aren't familiar with this story, Odell Beckham Jr. has kind of teased having interest in the Bills a few times. Now, the first time he, he said that uh, he woke up and there was this fake Bleacher Report article saying he had signed with the Bills. He said, hey, you know, I was wondering how much I signed for. What's up, Von Miller? Okay, so innocent, nothing big, nothing much to that. Andre Reid posts something last week saying, talk to uh Beckham Jr you know they're going to run it back he and Von Miller again kind of one-sided nothing from Von at this point but then today that all changed last night Beckham Jr uh, on Instagram said something to Von Miller about you know what's the locker next to you look like uh again mentioning his interest in potentially joining him in Buffalo and then today it was Von Miller on Instagram on his story saying you know let's chase that ring again and he had a Photoshop vid, uh, picture, I should say, of Odell Beckham Jr. in a Bills jersey and helmet. So I, I think both players would be interested in a reunion, but neither of them have the final say in this matter, which it comes down again. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, is he a fit? Do they have enough at wide receiver right now? Uh, what's his timeline look like coming off of, again, an ACL injury that it looked like he's just, he suffered it in the Super Bowl. He went on to say that he was playing uh, through a torn ACL, so who knows where where that actually is in terms of his recovery time. But it's it's at least fun and interesting to kind of keep track of now, and, and it's, oh, how far Buffalo has come. You know, a, a few years ago, Matt, who would have imagined a – uh, first ballot Hall of Famer like Von Miller, first of all, joining the Bills, and then a, a you know a pretty good uh, he he was special at one point, a, a pretty good receiver, kind of hinting that he wants to join the Bills. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a whole new world, and uh, that'll happen when you have you know MVP candidate candidate quarterback, and you know guys that are you know just superstars already on the roster. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but like there's not too many rooms that Odell Beckham Jr. would walk into and he'd have some competition for being who's the bigger star, you know, at, at yeah. the position. I mean, Diggs, I'd probably argue that OBJ is like a bigger household name for sure. But Stefan Diggs is like, you know, what do they call him? Mr. International, right? Like he's a he's a superstar. And so here's the thing with the Odell Beckham Jr. thing, though, for me, is that there's no like 
percolating reports out there from any of the plugged in national guys. And that's why I, I think the timeline on this, and thanks for the super chat goose. We appreciate it is a little bit more down the line than we're talking about right now. Whenever this comes up, it's like, there's going to be no immediacy to this because I just don't know if Odell Beckham could even come into a facility and do a workout yet. Like where is he at in the rehab process? And is a team going to want to wait till it's a little bit further down the road before they commit to him. And what does that commitment look like? Does he want a multi-year deal? Does he want a one-year deal to come back and prove it? Can he prove it this year? Like I'm, I hate to say this, Ryan, like for, cause I'm, I, I want an, a healthy Odell Beckham jr. In the NFL. It's good for business, right? Like it's good for the league to have the best players in the field. He was great in the Super Bowl last year. So from, you know, that perspective for fans, I want him to be healthy. I don't know if he's going to get back to a place this year where he can, contribute for a team. I, I think it's going to be a little bit longer of a rehab situation. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's a fair and it's a valid um, argument. And if, if I'm the bills or if I'm any team, I guess I would probably try to offer a, a maybe a two year deal. If, if you're really interested in his services with the player option for a year or two. And so if Beckham jr. Comes to Buffalo and he feels like, okay, I can contribute this year, but I'm not at my best. Um, I could go out, he could decline the option, go out and look for a bigger deal or, or try to get a bigger deal with Buffalo or whoever that team is in, in year two. At least it puts it in the player's hands. Uh, signing him just to 2022 is a, a dangerous endeavor, I think, for any team. Even if you see him in, have a workout and he looks good, he has that history of, of the lower, you know, the ACL injuries now. And you want to kind of protect yourself, protect your team a little bit. You don't want to just. Uh, invest in him this year, not knowing if he's going to be out there, if he's going to be able to contribute significantly. I do see in the chat here that uh, it was mentioned on, on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, yeah. Ian Rappaport today said Buffalo's always in on these players. You know, they're not going to, uh, they're going to do it pretty secretively, just like they did with Von Miller, just like they do with other team, uh, other players. They're always in on these players, but no one really needs, no one really knows about it uh, because of how the bills work and how this regime works. They're not going to, uh, there's no loose lips, I guess, in the front office is a good way of saying it in terms of leaking that news. So it, it's very possible down the road, but I, I just don't see it, again, being something that the Bills have to do with any kind of immediacy right now, um, just because of the fact that we don't know where he is health-wise. The little uh, roster talk here for a second. Um, you know, one of the things that we that started to happen on the sidelines – uh, during, while we watch these camp practices is a lot of the reporters talking about like, you know, 53 man roster uh, ideology and how this thing is looking like the, you go back to last year, the bills kept 11 defensive linemen, right? I, I don't see that happening. So if they keep nine, that opens up two spots and you start to think about like, all right, what are the ripple effects from that? And you know, what positions do they maybe want to, you know, covet more guys and, and keep more guys. And the linebacker room is a really interesting one. So Tyrell Dotson was not at practice today. Uh, he, or he was out there, but he was not dressed. He was in street clothes watching practice. So something happened with him gives obviously, obviously an opportunity for Terrell Bernard, uh, Balin Spector to get out there a little bit more. Andre Smith was buzzing around today. Looked pretty good. Tyler Medikavich. So you figure you got your two starters in Tremaine Edmonds and, and uh, Matt Milano behind them. Bernard's pretty much a lock in my eye, uh, in my eyes. I think I think Dotson's a lock as well. Uh, I, I think he can do multiple things. And then Matikavich is probably a lock for his special teams ability. 
Um, they like what he brings in the room as a special teamer. So now you're sitting there at five. They kept six last year. Andre Smith probably would have been in that spot for me, right? The looming suspension, though, has you thinking, all right, can they maybe let a couple of these guys go, Bale Inspector included, and then maybe keep like an extra cornerback with Christian Benford popping. You maybe, you know, if he gets garners these headlines and maybe a priority, you know, Leslie Frazier was, you know, he let that quote out there that he was surprised that other teams weren't more in on Benford. I don't know if they're going to be willing to, you know, chance him getting scooped up by another team if they like him and he's running with the ones at times. So now you want to keep maybe Benford. Maybe you want to keep Cam Lewis if you don't think that you can get him back. It gets to be a little bit, um, difficult to navigate but i think linebacker is one of those spots where it wouldn't shock me if it ends up being five linebackers they take into the 50 a uh, post 53 man cutdown and, and that makes sense because you just said it you know um bail inspector is, is someone i think you can get on to your practice squad even if he's flashed even if he plays really good special teams over the course of the preseason he should get a lot of snaps on defense too in this first game in the third game um, I, I still think day three picks someone that you could sneak on to your practice squad and with your practice squad, uh, just like the last few years being more expanded, it gives you that flexibility to promote uh, on a week by week basis at certain positions. And he could be someone that you bring up uh, uh, when, when the matchup, I guess, uh, insists on that happening. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's the the roster gymnastics of it all. You have a good idea of the quarterback room. Obviously, it's going to be the two. It's going to be Josh Allen, Kate, uh, Case Keenum. There's really no room for three. Then it's the running backs, and we like what we've seen from uh, the the young backs on this team that probably squeezes Duke Johnson out of the equation, which that's probably okay too, uh, because of the fact that last year he was out on the on the market for a while before he joined the Dolphins and, and performed well there. So maybe you can sneak him there. So wide receiver. And, and you go through the list. You can look at previous years in terms of the numbers that they've kept at positions, but every year is different. This is a first-year offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey. He might want to keep more personnel at certain positions uh, than Brian Dable did. Uh, this defense, yeah, the, you know, the the coaching staff and, and regime is pretty much the same for the most part. Uh, but there's might not be a need for 11 defensive linemen this year, as you noted, or 10 uh, for that matter. So it's really interesting to try to break down and figure out how this is all going to come up together. But special teams will most likely factor into those last few decisions. Question here asking about cut down uh, day. So August 16th, uh, all clubs must reduce rosters to 85 on August 23rd. All clubs must reduce rosters to 80. Uh, and then August 30th is the day uh, by 4 p.m. Rosters must be down to 43 players. So, you know, I could see a situation where you release Andre Smith and say, you know, play a little bit of a game there with his, you know, suspension, maybe get him back on, get him suspended, uh, do some roster maneuvering, whatever you're going to end up doing with Tredavious White. There's a lot of gymna potential gymnastics, especially with, where Jordan Poyer is it with it in his rehab. There's, there's a lot of little things that <coughs> excuse me. I kind of swallowed right there. There's a lot of little things that could kind of play itself out over the next couple of weeks that impact that final 53 man situation. Speaking of impacting Ryan bills, mafia making a big impact here on the shout Buffalo football podcast over 400 watching on YouTube right now. Smash that like button. Subscribe as well. Let's get a, a, an official number count here uh, because I want to see 
almost 400 watching. So we got some people watching on some other platforms. We love you, Twitter. We love you, Facebook. Thank you so much. Only 80 likes, though. Let's get going mm. here, guys. 380 people watching live. We got to get this thing up to over 100. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to look at this thing until we get up to 191. <laughs> Come on. Well, well, while you're doing Come that, on. I, I did want to mention uh, one thing. Is. Sorry, you mentioned sorry. with the uh, roster and Jordan Poyer specifically, I thought it was kind of interesting. Brandon Bean was on the Pat McAfee show last week, and he talked about the the young safeties on this team. And he obviously mentioned DeMar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson, and, and he threw Nick McLeod in there as well. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying he's making this 53-man roster, but if, if there's any questions about Poyer playing week one, as you said, that could be an interesting endeavor in terms of how they, uh, how many defensive backs they keep, what roles do they envision for those players. You know, we, we know there are guys on this team that have the versatility to play in both types of roles. Uh, we've seen Saran Neal do a little bit of both. Uh, Nick McLeod has been trained to do a little bit of both. So uh, just a little tidbit that I noticed, Brandon Bean, I was, I was impressed that, or I, I was, I shouldn't say impressed, I was uh I wasn't expecting him to necessarily mention McLeod with those other two safeties because of the fact that they've been in the system for a few years. Uh, they've been kind of waiting in the wings. Uh, both were draft picks of this team where McLeod was an undrafted free agent. So just, just an interesting tidbit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get to one other thing before we get out of here, Ryan. Um, hmm. I saw somebody in the comments ask about OJ Howard getting cut. I don't see that being the case. Um, does that free up money to make room for Jordan Poyer extension? No, because I think most of Howard's deal is guaranteed. So if you're right. cutting Howard, you're basically just saying we're going to take a loss and we just don't want the player. And I, I don't think, I don't see that that being the case. Listen, he's had some days, some forgettable days at camp, but I do think that we don't talk enough about how hard it is for these guys to come in here and learn this offense year one, even veterans. I mean, Case Keenum's talking about the complexities of it and like getting on the same page every day, going out, going through practice, having a bunch of things, you know, messed up and then going back in the room, watching it on film and then getting on the same page based on how complicated this offense is. And they, they haven't even started like game planning yet. Right. And the, so they're just trying to get like concepts down and you know, that, that takes some time and it's, Everybody learns differently. Everybody has different like strengths and weaknesses. So I think it's more about, you know, getting OJ Howard comfortable in his role rather than moving on from him. Yeah, I agree with that. And listen, I think I overestimated his athletic abilities in terms of where he's at at this point in his career, but that doesn't mean there's still not a role for him on this team. There's still ways to to create personnel mismatches with OJ Howard. Uh, and I think that that's something that Ken Dorsey will do. And there's still a way to utilize him in the passing game and get him involved. It might not be what you once envisioned. It might not be similar to the Dawson Knox role, but there there is a way to make him uh, to, to cr- create those mismatches on the field, so to speak, where he can then be in an advantageous situation. I was just looking closely at the uh, Bills um, depth chart, and they have uh, mm. name pronunciations on there. And, it, and, and, and we have been saying it right. I've heard it said a couple different ways still on different podcasts. It's Matt Ariza, not Matt Ariza. Mm-hmm. So – uh, I think we were always messing that up early on. So sorry about that. Another no. question here. Listen, if you guys got questions, we'll answer your questions. That's what we're here for. That's the whole point of this, uh, this little, uh, you know, process with the you know, question and answer. Andrew asks on YouTube, uh, weakest link 
and or position group on this roster. So you can take a stab at that either way, Ryan, whether it be position group or player in terms of the weakest link. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go offensive line. I know that might surprise some folks, but I'm not impressed with a lot of the depth on this, on this line. And I feel like you, you're one injury away, maybe two injuries away from, uh, some really glaring concerns. Uh, so I, and, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and necessarily name the names of the players I'm specifically concerned about on that second team, third team. There's been some players that have been brought in that have not uh, lived up to the expectations that I thought they would bring uh, from an experience perspective. I thought you'd see a little bit more there, uh, obviously, with the back procedure from Spencer Brown and not having a lot of reps. There were some concerns there. It's good to see him back out there. Questenberry has been solid. Um, and then on, you know, on the other side too, Roger Saffold missed a lot of times. I don't have a lot of concerns about him or the starting unit, but if one or two of them go down, I am very concerned about the depth behind them. And I guess you'd probably say that for most teams, man, I don't think there's a lot of teams that have a, a potential great second team offensive line, uh, where you could have four, one or two guys come in if there was injuries and, and those guys not miss a beat, but you know, maybe that surprises some folks, but I'm a little concerned about the offensive line. So I see uh, uh, our good buddy Pops Mafia in here. He says that uh, for him, it's cornerback. And I think that's valid. I think there should be yeah. some concerns about the cornerback position. The reason why I would stray from that is is just because how good, A, the defensive line has looked so far in camp. I mean, from, you know, the, the, the practice situations, uh, early on in training camp, and the way that it's almost been ratcheted up once the pads went on. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, I think that you're going into the season that where if you had a fall off in cornerback play, I think you'll be all right with the way that I think that this defensive line is going to cause havoc in opposing offenses, backfields. And here's the thing, too. It's it's training camp. We haven't even gotten to the games yet. Like, if you could go to any position group under the Sean McDermott regime in Buffalo that he's always had overproduction from it's been the the defensive backs room. I mean, Levi Wallace is a perfect example. Like Dane Jackson has, has had a ho-hum camp, right? Like it hasn't been great. I guarantee you that guy elevates his level to somewhere around where he played last season, which I thought was really good enough. A lot of the time, Kyrie Elam's probably going to be in a situation where he gets to the season and rep by rep snap by snap, He's going to get better and better and more comfortable in his role. So I just feel like there's there's more cushion there. One mm-hmm. area that I don't think people are talking enough about, Ryan, that I think might be a little bit of concern, tight end. Here's why. Mm. Dawson Knox is great at the top. Great at the top. But after him, there's a lot of question marks. If, if Dawson yeah. Knox gets injured, do you can you rely on O.J. Howard to be a 50 to 60 snap guy a game? And if not... Tommy Sweeney's been good in camp. I think he's been good. He had a really good game, good practice today. He had a couple catches. I could have wrote about him again. I didn't because I've already written about him a few times. But I don't know if I'm in a place where I'm comfortable with Tommy Sweeney getting uh, the lion's share of those snaps like that and being able to perform. You're relying on that tight end position in this offense. I mean, without going out and getting another established wide receiver and obviously the Odell Beckham conversation notwithstanding, you know, potential there. You're really saying that we you have belief in in Dawson Knox and that tight end position to produce. And after Dawson Knox, I I do think that there's some there's a lack of depth that I think should be worrisome. 
And I think that's a great point because I just sat here a few minutes ago and said that uh, Howard is not what I thought he was athletically. It's not a similar type of player in between he and, and Knox. Um, as good as Sweeney's been at camp, we, we've seen him fill in at times for, for Knox throughout his career. And there is a drop-off in playing live game action, especially as of late. Uh, and then the list kind of goes on. Quentin Morris, you know, he could be a practice squad guy. Uh, Weidermeyer could be a practice squad guy. They have Reggie Gilliam, who's that hybrid fullback tight end. There's only one Dawson Knox type tight end or caliber of tight end on this roster. If something happens there, I think you, you just made a valid argument of, in terms of uh, the hit it could take to this offense. And speaking to your previous point on the cornerback position, uh, you mentioned the defensive line, the way they've looked, the way that they play, that it's going to help these guys. And absolutely. 100% correct there. You can also look at the the way that the safeties last year, Hyde and Poyer, really helped Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson post uh, Trey White's injury. And, and I know there's some questions about Poyer week one, but as long as Hyde's back there, one or both of them, the communication is going to also be top notch. Uh, and that's going to help these young cornerbacks in, in terms of the playing time that they might have to see while waiting for White to potentially come back if he's not ready for week one. 50 minutes in, over 400 watching. Uh, smash that like button, everybody. Let's get that thing up over 200. You could do it. Come on, I believe in you. I'm going to watch that little ticker. We got another segment here before we get out of here. We're going to go over 200 before the end of the show. I believe in you. I believe in the over 400 watching live right now. Do it. Do it. Like that gif from Star Wars. Do it, right? Or not? Is it Star <laughs> yeah. Wars? Yeah, there's yeah, one. I think there's one from there, and then there's a Starsky and Hutch one that I usually use for my gif. All right, we're popping. We're already up over 150. Come on, keep it climbing. I want to see 200. All right, before we get out of here, I want to talk about Cole Beasley uh, a little bit on um, just the activity front. Back on social media, uh, he kind of, you know, after the release, it's, you know, he put out a couple of rap songs, uh, but it's been kind of quiet. He said today or last night, uh, kind of got uh, trending on Twitter again. He said, I appreciate the fans who supported me. The most fun I've ever had playing football was in Buffalo. My family and I will never forget the memories. Love all of my teammates there. I wrote, I won't regret leaving though. Things change within the organization. It was time for me to move on. I want to start there. What do you think he means by change in the organization? Was it a situation where, you know, I remember talking to Cole for, for three years about how much he loved the fact that they, they put the players first. They, they let the players be individuals. So do you think it was more about like how the COVID situation affected how he felt like the organization handled that and maybe took some of that away from the players? Or was it maybe his role, which had obviously diminished quite a bit last season? You know, the targets were still there, but I just meant like overall his usage uh, week to week. It was so up and up and down over the course of the season. Yeah, I think I think it's the the latter of the two, and I think someone actually said something about you, you could still you could still get the shot. And he said that's not that's not even it. Uh, I, I think it was it was the role early on. You knew he was going to get a minimum of maybe eight targets a game. Uh, he was such an important figure in Josh Allen's development in his first season and his second season there. And while the targets overall were were very high last year. There were games where he was almost invisible out there, Matt, where uh, there were also times where he was invisible because he was on the sidelines. And you didn't see that a lot in year one and year two when they were uh, going, you know, three wide, four, whatever the case may be. 
he was on the sidelines at times last year in important moments where that wasn't the case in those first few years. So I, I think that it's more so his usage, how the team um, was made him a focal point of the offense early on. And then maybe last year uh, that they, they kind of shied away from that because you, you have digs, you have Knox, you have Allen, who's also very dangerous with his legs. Uh, he, he wasn't as important anymore, maybe to this team. So that's where I think it was. 166 likes, Ryan. Come on, guys. Let's get to 200. Let's, we can do it. 34 more. 34 Thurman more. Thomas more. Thurman Thomas more. There you go. Um, he also said something else interesting. Um, somebody quote tweeted that tweet and said, translation, Isaiah McKenzie ran Bees out of town. And Bees even had some fun with it. He said, ha maybe so. That's my boy, though. He's going to do big things this year. Can't wait to see him finally get his turn to shine. So, the, the the end of this is that I do think that Cole Beasley was this pivotal piece in the development of Josh Allen and this Bills offense and the way that this all came together. And I think they needed each other at both stages in Cole's career and the development of the Bills organization. And I think that it probably just ran its course. And with a guy like Isaiah McKenzie kind of in the wings that – got to study behind Cole and, you know, all the other stuff that kind of was happening behind the scenes. It probably just showed up or probably just became, you know, just, it made more sense for the two sides to move on. And it, it does seem like there, there, there is a chance that, you know, Cole Beasley could kind of get onto another situation, have one more run and have it be worth it. And I also think that, you know, that he was scheduled to make, I think over $7 million this year. And the bills probably were in a situation where, where just from the player perspective, he had not, at the end of last season, if you go back and look, probably wasn't worth it to them to bring him back on that number. Which no, I think granted it, being said. Right. And it comes down to the financials obviously plays a role, and especially when I'm sure he was envisioning getting a big-time pass rusher like Von Miller, having to have the money for that and, and having to re, you know, uh, move a lot of money around to make moves like that happen. Be- that's not the first time that Beasley has mentioned Isaiah McKenzie and, and the fact that he thinks he's going to have a, a big year this year. So, uh, you know, so far McKenzie has been proving him true in training camp. He's had a great camp. He looks the part. He looks like he's ready to take on a big role in this offense. Um, so when, when you can have someone come in, sign someone or re-sign someone in the case of Isaiah McKenzie, do a two-year deal where the cap hit is significantly less than what it would have been, for Cole Beasley and you feel like you're going to get similar production. It just makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, McKenzie, the way that he's been playing, you know, as it says here, McKenzie would have taken a spot this year very possibly. And that's the other thing too, where I'm sure Brandon Bean sits down and he says, okay, who's someone that's right on the heels of another player on this roster where we could save some money and we'd feel comfortable with that person uh, taking over one of those roster spots. And I think McKenzie, if we, you could get him at this figure, which they did a very team friendly deal, in my opinion, um, they felt comfortable saying the production is going to be similar. He might bring a little bit more from that ex- explosiveness standpoint. Um, and, and at the end of the day, that's why they went the direction they went. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Silas mentions in the super chat. Thank you, Silas. We appreciate that. Some of his decisions weren't team first, and this is the Super Bowl window, right? Like this team has proven time and time again throughout the course of its run in um, Buffalo they're going to eliminate distractions. And for better or for worse, whether it was meant to, to be one or not, B 
Beasley was a distraction last year. Like, you know, having to answer questions about it, having it be this kind of like divisive thing. And I'm not even taking away from what Beasley thought he was doing, whether it be for himself or for younger players in, in a weird way, even though I disagree with him, I respected it. Like, but you, there's a time and place for everything. I thought he said everything he needed to say in the off season. And once you signed up to be a part of the team and, 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 and run the course of the season, you kind of put that stuff on the back burner. And I never felt like, you know, that was the case, even if you didn't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. But it, it continued to be a thing that popped back up in the mentions over time. So it is what it is. One good note before we get out of here, Ryan, Jameson Crowder, because yeah. Isaiah McKenzie's been out the last couple of days, he's got to work. He's got to work in a little bit. I wrote about him today. Matt Barkley, Case Keenum, very complimentary of Jamison Crowder. It hasn't been any big splash plays, but just a little bit of the, you know, the, 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 those Cole Beasley-esque plays. You saw it a little bit sprinkled in today. Uh, had one play where it was an incomplete. Allen was just running away from pressure, and he had to force it in. But, you know, they they brought in Jamison Crowder. There's the, the high upside of, of Isaiah McKenzie. I think considering Cole Beasley's age, they're probably in a better situation. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. Jamison Crowder yesterday, too, I thought had a really strong practice. I uh, was getting some reps working on that chemistry with Josh Allen. And as I noted in the observations, he went right over to Allen after one of their series together. And he was kind of, you know, motioning. What should I should I have done something different here? They were just kind of talking about it. And, and when you miss time early on in camp like Crowder did, he, he was trying to make up for lost time in terms of, OK, what is my quarterback like? You know, what does he want me to do in this scenario or in this situation? And I think that's good for him to start talking through that and working through and he's stacking good days together. Uh, We've talked about the contract. We've talked a little bit about his odds. I like him on this roster. You want to have a proven uh, veteran behind a guy like Isaiah McKenzie because it's a next man up league if something were to happen. You know, we really like what we've seen from Khalil Shakir. Uh, this summer as well, but he's been out a few days with soreness as of late. So you you want to have as much talent as possible in each of the the positional group rooms, uh, and it's good to see Crowder coming along these last two days. It's good to see all of you in the comments just getting after it. We're up to 187 likes. Get, get us to 200 before we get out of here. You got about 30 mm, seconds. Hit that like button. Smash it. Uh, question here. Uh, I'll cover it real quick before we get out of here, but then we got to go. Um, Tavon Austin, the Bills put out their depth chart I mentioned earlier in the show. Tavon Austin was number one uh, punt returner mm-hmm. on the depth chart uh, in front of, I believe, Khalil Shakir. So very interesting. We'll see how that plays out. That's another interesting development. Like, can they keep seven receivers? What does that look like? Is uh, We talked about this a few shows ago. The Kumaro versus Hodgins battle. Watching on special teams. Can Austin really capture that job in training camp? What does that mean for Shakir's role? All of these things are going to be fun things to kind of cover over the next couple of um, weeks. We're excited to do it. 198. We're almost there, Ryan Taylor. But I think we're going to get to 200 by the time I get done telling you that from your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football, backyard barbecues, and every meal in between, Tops is proud to have been at your table for the past 60 years and looks forward to 60 more. Tops at your table since 1962. We did it, buddy. Knew it. I knew it. Thank you, Bills Mafia. Randy, thank you for the compliment on my shirt, and we're out of here. See you guys on Wednesday. Two more camp practices. Can't wait. Take care.